Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Beautifully Broken Podcast. Today, we have the ladies from Be Loved Now. This is a healing and empowerment program based on the 12 guiding spiritual principles. They often incorporate elements of nonviolent communication. And while I talk about radical ownership of health, this is radical ownership of your, your story. And I love these women. It's powerful. This is going to be part one of the podcast. It's going to leave you with immediate access to tools that could change the course of your life. I hope you share it, you listen, and you better pull out your pencil and you better take notes. Let's jump on in. Welcome to the Beautifully Broken Podcast. I'm your host, Freddie Kimmel, and on this show, we explore the survivor's journey, practitioners making a difference, and the therapeutic treatments and transformational technology that allow the body to heal itself. Witness the inspiration we gain by navigating the human experience with grace, humility, and a healthy dose of mistakes. Because part of being human is being beautifully broken. Ladies and gentlemen, biologicalmedicine.org. Don't go there yet. I have a question for you. Are you tired of standing around in this deep knowing that our healthcare system is broken, but we never do anything about it? Well, Biological Medicine for Practitioners is the ultimate hybrid online and in-person certification course designed to help you integrate biological medicine or biomed into your practice. So unlike traditional medicine that often focuses on treating symptoms, biomed treats the whole body, addressing root cause of illness through three pillars, that is detoxification and drainage, nutrition, and immune building. This approach is truly patient-centered and yields exceptional results. So in this comprehensive course, you will apply foundational knowledge and hands-on experience with the latest diagnostic technologies and therapies, including bioelectrical impedance analysis, heart rate variability testing, pulse electromagnetic field. I know this sounds like it was created just for Freddie, but this is your chance to become a pioneer in the field of biomed. This is for healthcare and wellness professionals, all the way from doctors to personal trainers. I want you to go to biologicalmedicine.org and look for the enroll now button. And if you use code beautifully broken, you'll receive the intro to biological medicine for free. That's a $200 value. Friends, let's go do this. This is our time to seize the day. Join the biomed and help create a real paradigm shift and the way we deliver results for our patients. Let's do this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Beautifully Broken Podcast. We're here for a second time around. Sometimes when you start a podcast, it'll go for a few minutes and you got to reboot because there is an audio error, a video error, but I really think that's good luck. So we're, we're ushering in our jump in the timeline with Reverend Kathy Wheelahan and Laura Young. How are you doing this morning? Doing pretty darn well. Thanks, Freddie. How about yourself? Pretty darn well. Let me feel into that for a second because we're going to talk about feelings today. I'm feeling inspired. I am feeling full of gratitude. I am feeling embodied and I am feeling joyful this morning. So good. 
Yeah. And I, of course, I've got, I've got all my feelings and needs already pulled up on my computer. I have to ask you, ladies, could you describe the work that you do in the world with your organization, your platform, Be Loved Now? Yeah. Well, Kath, you had started before, so you were on a train of thought. I don't, yeah, I'm not going to repeat. I just, there's many different things that we do in the world. Yeah. So the reason why it's be loved now is because in essence, whether we're running a 12 week meditation program or a year long program or a breath and cold workshop or spiritual counseling, counseling with an individual, yeah, yeah, yeah. we are reflecting back to the person or the people the truth of who they are is really what our intention is and how we show up and we do it in a myriad of ways mm-hmm. but that's ultimately that's why it's be love now the love that you are at your essence beautiful, beautiful. Oh, thank you yeah that is beautiful and it is what you do and it's it's i didn't want to tell the audience what you do from from my experience what you do is when i have a problem that i can't work through that is rooted in well, let me say this. It's like a tension of knots in the emotional intelligence of my body, and I can't break through the wall. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I got to call Kathy and Laura because I got to talk this through. Mm-hmm. And so we'll, we'll work through, very matter of fact, what are you feeling? And what are my core needs that are not being met? And let's come up with a dynamic phrase that helps you experience that and try it on. And once you do that a couple of times, you let it work into your body how does the issue now feel? Is there any charge diminished? Is there, is there a new way of thinking that you might be approaching this problem? What I found is it's just a very effective, simple, this is one tool that you use right. to be able to sort through people's bullshit. I have often had times in my life where there's just, there's so much going on, whether it's, I want to take all the things that I think I know, or I understand about the health of a person or my body, and then there's this other context about what's going on there. They're interpersonal, they're social connections and over here. So it, it all gets a little overwhelmed. And I found the work that you do with really, you're like a spiritual Sherpa you're helping, which there's tons of physical overlap. I'm less and less convinced there's some sort of line between the physical and the emotional body <laughs> yeah. that it's, it's been really effective for me. So I, li- I like to say spiritual Sherpa. So that's how I describe you usually. I like that. I actually think I'm going to try that one on for size. <laughs> yeah. Spiritual Sherpa. Albeit, yeah, we could argue that, well, like, well, the word Sherpa is that, did I culturally appropriate that? Where did I take that word for my own? I always say Sherpa is a word of admiration, like the strength and the impact coming from a relatively small human being that can shoulder eight times their body weight and walk up Everest. And it's always like a thing of, wow, that's incredible. Mm. And so sometimes the work that you do is, similar in that way. Do you have thoughts on on using the word Sherpa and making it your own as white women? Well, I the first thing that comes to me, Freddie, when you ask that question is I think about the fact that many people have not been taught the skills of how to learn how to articulate how they feel and what they need. And so my experience in working with people, including people in my own family, that they regard their feelings and their emotions as somehow like this mountain behind the door, this... <laughs> Right. And well, so to be able to access that, the skills needed to access that is something that that needs to be taught, you know, and that's part of the work that we do is that people 
don't know how to do these things to identify how they feel and what they need. They somehow think they should know it, but it's actually a learned skill. Yeah. So in terms of the word Sherpa, it's something I've got to sit with. I hadn't really thought about it the way you're using it. So we'll get back to you on that. I would yeah. add, I, yes, and mm. there's something about we're not carrying other people's emotional loads or teaching or we're so there. And I think Sherpa from a very practical standpoint, a Sherpa is carrying your, right. I would imagine there's a little nuance to it from where we stand in that we might help you Mm -hmm. to carry it for a bit, but ultimately it's your responsibility. Each of us Mm -hmm. have the responsibility Mm -hmm. to carry our own emotional, mental load, all the things. So that's why we say reflect back to you. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think there is a quality. Now I haven't climbed Everest and I've never had an actual Sherpa. You sort of have in Patagonia. Yeah, yeah. I would imagine that in the exchange, energetic exchange of them carrying, right. That there is absolute reciprocity even if you don't speak the language, mm-hmm. that there is an exchange mm-hmm. and a learning going on yeah. for you as the person who's being relieved of some physical burden and caring. So yeah. I think it is an interesting term and I also want to sit with it. Yeah. 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 It is interesting. I just, I say that it's come up a couple of times. It was, um, as you know, and you're also certified Sherpa breath and cold instructors as well. That's true. I mean, we could probably, why don't you, there's other things. You guys are quite dynamic women. I mean, Kathy, again, in our first two minutes of podcast one, which went south because the audio wasn't right. And I just wanted it to be, I wanted to sparkle like the work that you do sparkles in the world. So Mm -hmm. I wanted to do a reboot. You've been on the podcast before. Your daughter, Allie, has been on the podcast before. You know, there's a little bit of, uh, some of the audience might know you from other episodes, episode one and two with your husband, Scott Wheelahan. And then Allie talked about her journey through Lyme. We need to have Quinn on at some point because he has an <laughs> incredible story. If I asked you, like, Kathy, what do you do? What, how have you cultivated the skill set in the world? What are you certified in? What mm-hmm. might you tell me if we were just kind of having a couple-minute conversation? Well, I would say for right now, I show up really as an interfaith, interspiritual minister yeah. in running the co-founding and co-leading Be Love Now. Mm-hmm. I also run a healing sanctuary at my home in Reading. We provide so many different things yeah. that it's hard to kind of pinpoint it. But again, all of the things feed into this idea of companioning people mm-hmm. in becoming the fullest expression of themselves. We're always in a state of becoming. Yeah. So how do we want to do it is the question. Yeah. So there's different ways, different access points in. Like if you ask me, okay, so we do a lot of cold exposure mm-hmm. with clients, spiritual counseling clients, mm-hmm. with workshops, mm-hmm. all the things. Sometimes with ourselves. With ourselves. <laughs> we have a, a very dedicated practice. Mm-hmm. And that is one of the things that we feel turns the needle immediately for people. So when you have someone pretty, pretty, pretty direct shifts. So if you have someone struggling with addiction or serious PTSD or something that anxiety, we've been working with them. We can't get that. Like that experience in cold water can create just enough of a shift that then we can come in with the other tools (laughs) and be like, okay, now yeah, let's go. I agree with that. It creates that opening, right? Yeah. We find that Mm -hmm. more than, and we do all sorts of things. We 
we're biohackers or whatnot, and we we do all sorts of things for ourselves, but we offer we also offer those things to people. Yeah, with the Amcoil and infrared sauna and the cold plunge. So mm-hmm. we we mm-hmm. do feel, I would say, when we speak about it, mm-hmm. very committed to being integrous. It's like I don't ever want to speak of something or tell someone to do something that I'm not doing. Right. It actually it actually goes back to you know your question about the mountain and you know the conversation we had about carrying and I said something about it's about teaching and learning. It's also about we model. We don't ask people to do anything that we haven't done whether mm-hmm. it's teaching the feelings and needs practice the, co- the skills of compassionate communication the self-care practices, meditation, meditation, journaling, journaling, all of this. Yeah. Like we do these things. We're not, we're not asking people to engage in processes and practices that we're sitting on some kind of pedestal and saying, you do this while we sit here. We're in it with our clients. We're in it with the people in our programs, in our workshops, all of that. Yeah. And I, I mean, I've listened, I've, because I know you personally and because I've even Oh goodness. Like I spent, you know, I had a hideout in Reading, Connecticut for a year and three quarters of the pandemic. <laughs> you know, I, I got to be in, in the family units to yeah. both of you to a degree and really see you know all the mess and you know, the- you know, a lot of the mess. Yeah. Yeah. I know the mess. And, and at the same time, like, you know, I think again, it's great context for my belief in your work because I know you've not always had easy things to work through. You know, yeah. it's really, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. He's, because I use you so much as a tool, literally, there are biohacking tools which I go to. I have high powered PEMF, I have AMP coil, I have Flopresso, I have saunas and cold, but I use Beloved Now often, daily, <laughs> identifying. And what it's done for me is I think this is a great spot to, to really get into some of the conversation that I want to have is, is we can always make the shift, right? We've got these great tools to make a shift, like let's just use ice. But if we're just going to the pattern interrupt again and again and again, there's not a lot of service there. It's like within that space, how are we getting in and, and really, oh, man, just better knowing ourselves, better knowing my response, my tendencies to, to bypass the truth of the moment. And for me, the expanded vocabulary around feelings and what my core needs are That's where the true healing happens. Yeah. I would add to that, Mm. (laughs) that Mm. ultimately we need each other. So here's the thing. You can do all those things. Freddie has all the tools, right? And knows how to use them. And knows how to use Mm -hmm. them very well. So Mm -hmm. you might even pay him to guide you in how to use all the tools. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, if you're in a family situation and you you are engaged in conversation and you have a trigger or a reaction to something, there's probably 99% of a chance there's not an ice path next to you to hop into to change your response. Yeah. In other words, mm. we are with people all the time mm-hmm. interacting. And what happens most of the time is that people take on other people's stuff in a variety of ways or project their stuff out onto other people. Right. Yeah. So the Be Love Now tools yeah. are very practical, immediate things to do in the moment while anything's going down mm-hmm. to be with ourselves with love. 
be with ourselves with love and also it functions as a process to really disrupt the patterning around negative coping skills really is what it comes down to like disrupt the patterning around belief systems that are limiting that keep us looping keep us loop in the loop that have generate a story that keep us looking for evidence to support that untrue belief system right so we're dealing in the facts like what is the fact that's created the facts of the the thought or the behavior that's creating the feeling that's coming from either needs that are being met or not met yeah before we get too into the weeds let's do a real life example just because I want people to, I'm like, oh, what are you? This seems like two steps away from me understanding what's going on. I won't do any names, but I'll use an experience I had like a month and a half ago in which a wellness person, podcaster who had posted this meme of a family holding hands and they're holding up a, an umbrella and there's this like a rainbow hitting the umbrella and bouncing off. The father figure is saving his family from the rainbow. And I was so activated, I was so angry. Mm. I went at the chat a little bit with this guy. I was like, man, what are you doing? I'm like, this is terrible. What are you saying here? You know, I'm not even going to go into what my perception of what he was saying, but it really activated me because I, I saw that and I saw, I saw hate. I saw fear. I saw aggression. I felt how irresponsible, you know, as a person with thousands and thousands of people on your platform to post a meme I was like, how can we assume that there's like some shared reality around your meaning of a picture, which could mean a thousand words that could mean anything, you know, maybe it wasn't the way you meant it to be, but I just got so pissed. And I mean, really pissed. I was like, my heart was going, I kind of dropped everything else I was doing in the day. And I call, I had called you both and I had said, man, this is really coming up for me. So we had worked through like a feelings and needs statement based on my trauma response to this, like my rage, I'm like how can a healer have put out a public opinion that is loaded with hate and loathing and fear of other? How can this be? So I had crafted a statement, Kathy. So can you explain to me like what, how you would meet this situation where somebody comes in and they're hot and fiery and activated? It's like, what do I do to process this? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, first of all, as so, you were speaking, so we, we established that you were making a lot of assumptions. <laughs> Tons. You're, you're it's a picture. Assumptions. Yeah. So we go to the facts. Yeah. We go right to what happened. So you yeah. crafted a statement that looks something like, when I saw the meme, right? That's it. Like, we don't need anything else. We don't need all the extra <laughs> embroidery, right? All right. Well, give me, give me an example when someone adds additional storylines and assumptions to that. And you would stop them and say, oh, wait, you're in story. Well, you it's were like, just doing it. You were just doing it. You said, I can't believe what you, so it would be, maybe you said, I saw this meme and how could a healer, da, 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 healer da, da, put da, out da, everything that has to do with hate and fear and, <laughs> right? da, 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 and you kept going. We'd say, okay, Freddie, we're going to stop you there. Let's dial it back. What right. are the facts without your story? Yeah. It's the fact is you saw a meme and you, you had, had a reaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's go to the reaction and dig underneath what the actual feelings are. Yeah. Right. Right. So when I saw the meme, I was agitated. I was angry. Mm-hmm. I was exasperated. You, you felt angry, exasperated. You felt. It's important. It's important to think. Yeah, I felt. Yeah. I wasn't the thing. Right. Great course correction there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I felt angry, exasperated indignant. 
outraged because I have a need for safety, for protection, for inclusion. I'd also just put out there for you to consider, Mm. might feel right, might not, responsibility or accountability, because there's an aspect to it that you seem to feel very passionate about what that thing could then do, Mm -hmm. you know, without taking responsibility for it a picture what what's yeah. the saying a picture is a thousand words or something Pictures like that a thousand yeah. or a million you know? words. so, yeah. so yeah. if we have a need for responsibility and accountability that's kind of you bring that you bring that in your world right you bring that in your podcast you show up the best you can mm-hmm. taking accountability and responsibility mm-hmm. for yourself so in that way there's something about that that might be a need that needs to be met mm-hmm. I don't know. And this is actually when we get to the needs section, this is where we can actually work with people and help them understand that they're responsible for meeting their own needs or for asking other people to help them meet those needs. And in the way that you are of service in your podcast, just as one example, to a large degree, you are meeting your own need around responsibility and accountability. You're setting an example. Yeah. And the inclusion, like you welcome everybody in. Yeah. I'll say that. I mean, I don't, you know, I try, I try not to get hyper political on the podcast, but man, I'm just such a strong believer and you should be able to pursue love in whatever form, as long as it's safe to yourself and others. I wish all people joy in that aspect and don't pretend. I don't even know myself that well. So I am certainly not going to tell you what to do with your love life. Or commentary on like, you know, again, there was like another situation. It's funny. There's a theme coming up. Are you getting this, Kathy? Do you mm. So there was another situation that was so activated and a guy got on the phone and like he wanted to color my understanding of like a relationship a friend had had with a woman. And he was like, this is dirty. It's disrespectful. It's sinful. And I was like, what? bro, what you're telling me right now is like, sounds sort of hot to me. I'm like, I don't know if we're going to label that sinful. It's like leading the witness, you know? There's a theme here on people really trying to control and color your experience. And they're trying to lock you into it. I think that in that particular instance, it was another person who's very famous. They've been on Oprah, famous writer, in which they wanted me to agree They said, make an agreement that we'll not talk about this, but they wouldn't tell me what I was agreeing to first. And then we walked into story. And when we got into the story, it was a terrible secret that I didn't want to keep. And I just felt sick to my stomach. You know, I've been walking in the agreement. (laughs) Can we grow back? I didn't know what we were going to talk about. You asked me to agree to silence before we unveiled the topic. And it was, I know manipulative is a victim word. Right. You know, mm. I know that's not a feeling, but mm. man, did I feel violated after mm. the phone call? Right. But when we worked through it and we got to your needs, what we understand is that one of your needs, which you're working on, is making and keeping agreements. Yeah. And that's your job to make and keep them with mm-hmm. other people. It's up to us to decide what feels good. Right. Right. What's, so, okay, what's okay and what's not okay. We make and keep yeah. agreements all the time. And, and if they don't work, we say, hey, so we made that agreement. Didn't go so well. Let's do this. Let's, would, you, would you be willing to do another? Yeah. Let's yeah. what would what worked about it? What didn't? Let's create another. Mm-hmm. Right. That feels really good. And that's the part I think about the practice that people don't necessarily 
we say and be loved now we go in to go out yeah so it's really important to get to clean up this interior space again and again and again I like mean, we call it patrolling the boundaries right <laughs> you set boundaries with your agreements and then you patrol the boundaries right and then we move it because we're mm-hmm. if we're always in a state of becoming the boundary that we made or the agreement that we made a month ago might not be applicable anymore and people can <laughs> surprise you too we want to hold out possibility for change on on all levels right yeah. we don't want to pigeonhole the other people so the thing becomes i can't do you i can only do me so i'm going to do me and then i'm going to come to you and say hey this is me these are my feelings right. and needs and what right. i'm working on i'd like to move forward in relationship with you I'm suggesting these agreements. Mm-hmm. How does that land with you? Mm-hmm. That's a really powerful way to show up in intimate relationship and business partnership Absolutely. at work. We use it in our family. We use it in our business. We use it at Amcoil. You know, we, we keep, use it in our program. Keep bringing it up, you know, yeah. the program. So yeah. when people actually do it, like yourself, Freddie, mm-hmm. on the regular. I would imagine, I don't know, you can speak to this, but I would imagine you would find that it is happening naturally. It's like the flexing the muscle. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you will see something, you will meet someone and it's like you work through it. You know how you feel, you know what you need and you're not carrying all of that charge charge and yuck that lodges in the body and then becomes some form of, you know, dis-ease or imbalance. Yeah. Yeah. It's really hard for me as I learn more and more about health. It's hard for me not to imagine the maladies, the disease states are not just, how is it not triggered by an emotional avoidance or an emotional trauma? Or, you know, look at the science around adverse childhood events. It's a shocking, it's shocking, you know, and not to say adversity is bad, you know, not to say any of these things are bad. It's like, I wanted to comment before I was like, at the time it was upsetting. And I was, I felt very hurt and I was very sad for a few days. I actually felt very unsafe. I was like, well, if he holds this opinion, the social influencer, how many other people in my container hold this opinion? Cause it did feel like, I was like, oh, I don't really feel safe talking to anybody anymore. Do you know, I had that moment where I was like, because I, I was like, you know, you go back and you look at the comments, you're like, well, this person liked that post. This person liked that post. So you're creating, again, I'm in story land, story, <laughs> not helpful. But I had this feeling of like, yeah, I was like, oh, I really, I was actively seeking. And this is like the very immature point of me. And I was like, well, I'll call Kristen because I know Kristen will confirm my bias and she'll agree with me and she'll confirm that's wrong. And then I also love Lauren. So I'll call Lauren. And I'll confirm my story with Lauren that he is also wrong. He's a bad person. I've watched myself do this. And I was like, dude, how old are you? Right. 12? You building a team? You build- <laughs> but <it> happens, <laughs> like, this, but that's, this that's happens all normal the time. Human behavior. It's, yeah. you know, call it gossip, call it whatever you yeah. want. Yeah. I'd like you to, you know, we, what we do is we set a timer for two minutes and you can vent. We call it conscious venting. I can say, hey, would you be willing to listen? to me vent and she'll set her timer. And I did it last night. Set my timer. Tim, you get two minutes, babe. Go. And then we go, okay, now what? 
What do you want to do? Right. We do need to express. And then from that, after two minutes, everybody's pretty much repeating themselves. I mean, even if the story is long and has a lot of components yeah. to it, the yeah. essence of what we're getting to, we can get to in two to three two minutes to two, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I'm very interested in how to continue to help people get clear. And I think one of the things that's interesting, and I'm not, we're not therapists, oh. but we have been in plenty of therapy. <laughs> I've had great therapists. I've had not so great therapists. Yeah. And I think the difference in what we are doing in my experience, my lived experience is that we are not pretending to be anything other than ourselves. So a therapist has certain like ethical boundaries. They're not really supposed to speak about themselves and, and it's understandable why and all of that. Mm -hmm. But what we're doing is we're saying, we honor your feelings. We're just not going to spend an hour talking about them. Because they are, it's energy in motion. Not who you are, not Not, who you are at your core. Nope. It's just moving moving, through you. Passing through. Let's help you move it to get to what it is you want. And that's Mm. what the needs are, are very much in tune with the values of how you want to become and live your life. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. what we're very good at to toot our own horns is getting to the essence quickly, quick, very like, pretty we, quickly. We don't need to stay with people for months and months and months. Mm-hmm. Then you can tune back in. Like you say, Oh, something will happen. You'll try to work through it yourself. You'll get stuck on one little thing and you'll be like, Hey, do you have 10 minutes for me? Mm-hmm. And literally in 10 minutes, mm-hmm. we pretty much work through it. Right. That's not happening a lot today. There's, a, There's lot a lot of, of talking, a lot of talking, and a lot and of loop. repeating and looping that goes on. I'm finding working <laughs> with clients, especially because we do a lot of the spiritual counseling, the two of us together, is mm. that we get to the heart of the matter really quickly. And there's something about the, the two of us when we're working with the client. It's like it's almost like immediate community. It's not just this one-to-one dynamic. Lot, a lot less transference, yep. a lot less yep. projection, all, yep. the, all the pitfalls of therapy that you have. Well, you can do a good cop, bad cop too. Totally. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was, uh, you know, I do a lot of consulting stuff too. And it was like, man, 99% of the times it was like, well, you don't need business consulting. You need be love now. Because mm. there's so much talking and so much story. And it's funny, unless people know they're going in to do that work, when I'm like, can I pause you for a second? You're caught in story. And they'll be like, oh, you don't, this is important. You don't get it. And I'm like, no, I, I do. I'm like a really good listener. And I'm like, we've already covered this minute one, minute five, minute seven, minute nine. Now we're revisiting at minute 14. I like take pretty copious notes. So I make, I'm like, well, we're just, listen, I'm just like, because I value my time, I've already got it. I I know it's important for point one, but yeah, I really find it's like Dr. Nicole teaches this. They do personality typing, whether that's man manifest generator, projector, human design work, you know, they bring the energetics of the human being. They go through the core needs, core values workshop, and then they get into the business stuff. When they're working with integrative growth, they won't do, they actually won't meet with you unless you make that agreement to do that work first. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds effective for sure. Yeah. It's effective. So let's say we have an incident. 
let's say we're, we're working, we're doing the work, we have a thing, I call you with an issue, we go through feelings and needs, then what? Then we craft a plan. Yeah. What, based on what you want. So it would be specific to the thing. Like Mm -hmm. it depends if you're having an issue with your Coworker, coworker, lover, parent. It depends. Mm -hmm. You know, it depends. Let's say I have a make believe partner named Samantha who I'm having activations with. I'll say an activation, right? We have a thing in the kitchen. I get pissed off. I say something. We have an argument. I craft my feelings and needs. It's based around, let's say it's uh, alcoholic tendencies. I've got an alcoholic, alcoholism. My father, I'm not comfortable with her drinking. So, like, I have the fight, right? I come to you to dismantle the situation so mm-hmm. I can breathe and I can talk about it. Then how do I work with Samantha? Well, we have to ask you some questions. Yes. Yeah. What are your... No, 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 no. It needs to be the way for all alcoholic pattern through all relationships. It just needs to be a formula. <laughs> uh, I want a booklet. I want the workbook. You want a canned <laughs> webinar on that? Yes. <laughs> well, look, it would be very similar for each person. Yeah. It's just that yeah. the... De- what do you say? Content process. Yeah. So we... When I think about relationships with people and the conversations that happen, there's really what the feelings and needs practice really does is it creates a process to move through the messy. So I think of like everything that's going on in life is content and the process to move through it is the feelings and needs practice. And that makes it really streamlined. So it gets you quickly to what do you want? So if a non-negotiable, we have to understand for you do you want is no alcohol the baseline and then in the, relationship because we have to discern what are you okay with and not okay with we help you right. to decide that for yourself based on what you're saying your needs mm-hmm. are well, there's a couple ways that the feelings and needs practice can be developed when a client is working with somebody else in their family or in their whatever relationship constellation they're in you can ask if they'd be willing to listen to what they're hearing you say and to repeat it back to you. That's a first step mirroring. Mirroring. So if you can't right. even have the exchange and a person is not capable of mirroring back to you what they heard you say without more charge and more discord, mm-hmm. things probably aren't going to move in a good direction. So right. that's like a number one. That's the number Are you one. willing to hear me? Right. And would you be willing to repeat back to me what you heard me say? Right. And they don't have to get it verbatim. It's the feeling of it. Right. And then if they're off or they've forgotten something, there's a process where we check in and say, mm-hmm. so did I get, did I basically get it? Yeah. And then you might say, mm, there's one thing that you missed. That's very important mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. And then you repeat it and then she'll say, Oh, okay. So here I'm going to repeat back to you the right. one thing that's that I missed. Mm-hmm. And then we can come to an agreement. Yeah. That feels complete. Yeah. We say mm-hmm. that feels good. That feels complete. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now what do we want to do mm-hmm. with it? Would you be willing to enter into Any- making a new agreement around drinking alcohol? And then you have to decide like, is it just in your presence? And you both have to agree. It's going to be, it it actually becomes somewhat of a compromise or a a total compromise because it's both parties have to be in agreement around that thing that is juicy and fiery, right? The thing that is activating, you both have to come to the table on it, you know? And if there's not a willingness, that is information for you. It is definitely (laughs) 
right? Right. You get to then decide based on that information. Mm -hmm. And most people, I think, have a fear of confrontation, (laughs) of confrontation and finding out that that might be the case. And so they don't approach it because then they actually have to make a decision based on the information that they receive. And they might be attached to the relationship a bit codependent and they might be also addicted to the drama because Mm -hmm. there's a little bit of a charge that happens. They're drinking again, or they did the thing and then they get to talk about it and then they get to feel the dopamine and the whole thing. It could be all self-righteous. It could be so many things. So it comes down to what is it that you really want? What kind of a relationship do you want first with yourself, right? Because it starts with honesty. Yeah. What are the facts? How do you feel? What do you do? That's honesty. And then what are you willing to do about, about it? it? Because that's the piece where you become very empowered. Yeah. It doesn't mean there might not be sadness around the choices or, too. Or deep disappointment. But when we say yes to one thing, there's always something else that we're releasing. Yeah. So I think that's becoming, that is the process of becoming. And Kathy and I have a, have a a term WTF and it's, what's this for? You know, it's transforming the perspective. What's this for? Actually, if, if, if you choose to believe as I do, as we do, that everything in my life is happening in the service of my own awakening, then what's this for? It certainly does complement a spiritual path to think about the waves that are coming from life as opportunities to have a different experience for growth, for better navigation, else you feel like you're standing on the shore just being pounded. Yeah. Life is happening to me, not for me. Instead of for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. You talk about victim to creator. That's the well, but you, you know, yeah. you're lucky enough. Here's the thing. And in my experience, you know, you're lucky enough to make it through a really traumatic event, like a bad car accident or cancer. Many people on the other side of that, your priorities shift dramatically. Yeah. So you have this deep gratitude for living and life and conversations and being activated and shit. I'm glad how lucky that I had this day to be hit with another wave of emotion in which I get to grow and create from. But I remember growing up, the chatter that filled many conversations in the room in public school or, you know, being out in the world, people complained is almost like a default mode network. It's just like you complained about life happening to you. You complained about interest rates and, you know. Like it was a badge of honor somehow. Like it's a badge of honor. So it becomes, (laughs) it becomes. that I have a hard life. (laughs) Right, right, right. It becomes just, you know, the boss is nagging you. You know, I grew up in the 80s. So whatever it was, whatever the conversation was, but it was always, it was always a a default mode network to complain. Mm -hmm. And until I had a different experience, I just didn't know any better. Mm. Of course. But it's it's been really interesting going through the you know the, all the all the beautiful the beautiful experience of cancer and Lyme disease and mold and surgeries have been a, what a way to strip the to strip the hard drive and wipe it down and have an, another take because my experience was so dramatic, right? And and not to say I had to come through that way. I could have I could have very well been like you know, still waiting for life to get back to where it was or my body back to where it was. It hasn't rolled that way. 
it's fascinating. And then of course, me being this way, I've found I like it. And then I've I've self-selected other people who are around me to also view the world in a similar fashion. Or we don't spend a lot of time together. I've organically cultivated a new community or a new universe gravitational field. That's my life now. Mm-hmm. Most people I interact with, or even the landlord that I live at the place where I live because the guy who built this property is just a great guy. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? And so it's it's fascinating how you you almost start to engineer your own world unknowingly. I wouldn't tell you I did this, but there must be some deep inner knowing in the body that says, man, this is this is a better way to do this life thing. Taking radical ownership of your feelings and your responses. <laughs> I don't think there's much of an argument that um, you know, for many of us who've had that dark night of the soul, right? it becomes a very clear like demarcation point to be able to choose differently. There's a lot of people who may not have had that experience yet in their lives. And yet, if there's a curiosity and a willingness to be open, even just a little bit, Mm -hmm. even just a little bit, the possibility to grow, the possibility to learn and to change course, if you will. You know, you see it, for example, in the rooms of 12 Step. Mm-hmm. You know, some people really want to learn and grow and some people don't. And it doesn't really necessarily have to do with what kind of, what they call the bottom, what kind of bottom you've hit. Yeah. It might, but it doesn't have to. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. might. Isn't it interesting just to to speak to the 12-step program? And we've, we've touched on alcohol a little bit. Mm-hmm. I am more or less, more or less sober these days. I can't remember the last time I had a drink, but it's super rare and definitely have a unique experience in, in my family's history. I had said recently that it was like, wow, I look at my brother and sister and, and we pretty much broken the generational chains of alcoholism. Congratulations. Like yeah. Organically, like we all just did it. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I can say once in a while, my brother and sister will have a drink, but from my understanding and experience, it's just not really a thing. We don't, it's not the set dressing to uh, family vacations and birthday parties and stuff. So it's so interesting that that's happened going into the the experience of the 12-step program and story. Is there anything you would do in a 12-step meeting if you could go in with a magic wand and say, we'd love to change this about the story? Because is it incentivized to go into your story or to live in story or identify or attach with my dark night of the soul? Yep. What would I do differently? Yeah, what would you do differently, Laura? I could change. One of the well, one of the beautiful things about twelve step or in a lot of meetings is that they limit the shares to three minutes, so that cuts down on some of the losing. <laughs> <laughs> I'd bring this in. Yeah, yeah, I'd bring this yeah. in because I think feelings and needs are a way to access mm. more of a growth mindset. Mm. I mean, look, I. I've only done Al-Anon and the ACOA, so I haven't been in the AA just to see your anniversaries and stuff. But yeah, yeah, yeah. so I she that's this is her world, but my mm-hmm. experience because we do have a lot of clients that come from that is that it reinforces telling that story like again, again and again, again and, and again, again, right? Like it's like mm-hmm. it's again a badge of honor. There's a little mm. bit of like, it's kind of like, yeah, yeah. Here's my, here's my battle experience, you know? And 
I'm not saying this about all people who are in the room, absolutely not. But there's a shift now that we, I've really become so familiar with these 12 guiding spiritual principles, Mm -hmm. which, you know, they're not AAs, they're universal. universal. And we've had many conversations about this, that the first six, you know, honesty, hope, surrender, courage, willingness, acceptance. It's this, it's a fertile inner workings ground. It's like you're yeah. kind of yeah. composting. You're, in. Your own, you're going right? in. <laughs> and then from humility on to joy, it's about, it's really about taking this work and then becoming in my humble opinion mm-hmm. of more service to the world. Mm-hmm. It's expansion. <laughs> And that the service from the AA perspective seems to be very much insular. It's being of service to AA, mm-hmm. which is wonderful. And what an amazing organization mm-hmm. that it's mm-hmm. all over the world, you know, and it's free, free and all the mm-hmm. things. There's yeah. so many mm-hmm. fascinating things. You're still going. Still amazing I mean, and helping so many people. And I would just simply say, I think there's an empowerment piece of you're talking about your own inner knowing. And there is an aspect you talked about curiosity. Mm -hmm. We're talking about this growth mindset of what's this for. And I think that Mm -hmm. there could be a bigger or wider opening into that arena. That's not just about giving over to a higher power, which is very much. I mean, I believe in higher power. Absolutely. I believe also that the higher power is within us. Right. They say, they <laughs> say in 12 step, I think you're taught initially and not to, not to dissect everything, but you're taught initially that because you've made such bad decisions, that's why you're there. <laughs> Which mm. is important in that, the beginning. They actually, it almost seems as if yeah. the, locus, the quote unquote locus of controls move. So it's something outside of you because you need to follow the direction of the group of the literature in order I, to stay sober. in order to stay sober. At some point, you know, and in the reading and actually in the big book, they talk about, at, you know, we realize that the, that the great reality is deep down within us, mm. yeah. right? At some point, that locus of control changes, the perception of it changes. I'm not sure everybody actually makes that leap. Yeah. And yeah, it almost needs like, fa- yeah, you could almost envision like there being additional phases when somebody's right. ready for it to have that conversation or that invitation. Like 2.0. Well, that's, I mean, that's, I mean, and that is because the way the program works, you know, you have, there's sponsorship. So that would be the job of the sponsor, the sponsor sponsor relationship to have those kinds of conversations. Right. Which a lot of times they will like, you know, I know my, my dad is 20 some plus years. He, of course he does his individual fingerprint on that human being when he's supporting, like he's adding, you know, he's adding like that color and texture that a human being would bring. Yeah. Really interesting. Yeah. It's like any organization. Is it evolving? Is it becoming? And is it growing? I mean, yeah. You know, and I think every organization has that opportunity to take a look at it. Like, do we have a growth mindset? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's fascinating. The world that we live in today and how we're, you know, these different institutions are stepping into different roles of service and how some have sustained over time and how some fall away. And it's, it's wild to think about you know, I'd love to go a little deeper into, Laura, you said you, you're like, my dark night of the soul. Is that, you can give me like a 10 second explainer, your dark night of the soul, or you sure. can give me like a two minute if you want. I'd love to, we've never really talked about your dark night of the soul. Oh, and you also I, don't feel obligated to share. I am an open book, Freddie. 
Yeah. It's a good one. It's a good story. <laughs> I'm just thinking where should it? So I was um, an active alcoholic from the time I was 15 until I was 42 years old. Pretty serious. A lot of consequences. My bottom kept increasing. I've been to a number of rehabs and outpatient programs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I had started going to, to a 12-step program about three years before I actually did get sober. And I could put string together a couple, maybe a couple days or maybe two weeks at a time, but I never could stay sober. And I always felt like it was my failure. I didn't really get the fact that it was a we program that I needed community even then. The dark night of the soul came when um, I decided that I was a failure and I couldn't do this anymore. And, you know, without going into all the details of it, I went to a place that was fairly isolated. I mean, it was in a town, but like I called my therapist. I said, thank you. I don't need you anymore. Threw the phone out in the backyard. I drank all the booze that was in the house and I prepared to take my own life. In the process of doing that, my husband at the time, I think at that point, maybe phones had, had like locator GPS. I don't know how he found me, but he found me. He came rushing in the front door to stop me from what I was doing. And I begged him to let me finish because I, I couldn't live with the drinking and I couldn't live without it. I was so sure. And it was, I was in that impossible. So what happened is he took me to the emergency room at the local hospital and they put me in the drunk tank of the emergency room in this tank, the tank in the glassed in observation room across from the nurse's station. And there was a clock on the wall. And I came to at some point and I came to and I was wearing a hospital gown. I had no clothes, no shoes, no money, no keys, no ID. And the first thing on my mind when I woke up was how the F am I going to get out of here and get a drink? Something happened in that moment where it was as if what I said, because I said it out loud, it was if, as if those words, words were like thrown up into the air in front of me and I could see them. And something about that moment, it, I suddenly grasped like the first step of the 12 step program with that I was powerless over alcohol and my life was unmanageable. I could see the insanity of what I was doing and something's something flipped in me. I think it was, I grasped my own inner knowing. I had had moments of clarity over the years. Like, you know, you pull that bo bottle of vodka out of the freezer and take a, take a hit off of it before you go to work in the morning. Like your life is going to change forever. Oh yeah. It's probably not a problem. You know, I always thought I could manage the consequences. I got to a place where I was completely stripped down. Yeah. And, you know, the rest of it is, you know, the journey to get here right now. Yeah. Did you two know each other in, in that time? <laughs> I always say what I wouldn't do to be like a <laughs> the wall, at the bar or wherever, or, you know. But oh my God. that was 2005, just for some context. Kathy and I, we met in 2007. Yeah. Beginning of teacher yeah. training. Yeah. The yeah. one thing I just wanted to add. Yeah. It's your story. Yeah. But it's but almost you've heard, like you've heard it. The, it. the interview question here, you know, for yeah. me is this moment of clarity. And, you know, we have clients that are in active addiction. Yeah. And so for me, I'm always in that process of like finding the boundary and also the compassion. Yeah. And what I have come to understand is it is a disease. And that chronic, you, progressive, incurable. And that 
actually fatal, actually, as they say, you are not the disease. And that is just such an important distinction. That is part of how this connects to be love now, because we say the truth of who you are. And so in the moment, it's like you up until that point, we're saying there's something really like I am bad to the core. I'm bad. You know what I mean? There's something so wrong. There's no way out of this. That's really the dark night of the soul, right? And there's a little bit of an opening in that moment where you are able, it seems to me, to mm-hmm. see, ah, it's a disease and I'm not the disease. Right. There is a There's a way mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I find really remarkable. And mm-hmm. it feels like that's the part that ties to today. Because... This is what be love now is. Yeah. You're not your story. Yeah. Yeah. You're not yeah. your um, M- mic drop. You, I am not how I feel. That is yeah. not who I am. <laughs> terrible things might have happened yeah. to you. And terrible Most things have happened to all of us. In real, real tragedy has happened. Real trauma and tragedy has happened in my life, in other people's lives, in most yeah. people's lives. And we don't diminish it. No. Well, how many people, I always think about this, how many people are sober or not drinkers, but their families are victim to the other side of a drunk driver. They say that one, that for every alcoholic impacts at least six people. Yeah. The lives of six people. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm just, it's stupid lucky. Like that. I always think of, do you ever look at back on your life and there's like events where you could imagine you're like, oh, that could have went. I could yeah, be totally. easily bent. I could have spent my life in prison totally. multiple times oh. that there are t- in the timeline. I'm like, all I needed to do is have this not go this way or this police officer not let me off or this, you know, there's a, a shit ton of them and all of them colored through really bad decisions because I was not in my right state of mind. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't know how to manage myself a, as a, as a kid, as a teen, as a young adult, but you add alcohol into the mix where, you know, I'd never like learned how to, you know, manage that altered state. And it's just like recipe for disaster. You're just lucky. I'm like, I must like, man, it's just a total lucky shit show to make it to like your forties or fifties. I feel incredibly lucky and grateful that I got sober. Yeah. And I'm also really, one of the things that I learned along the way is I'm also very, I've come into a a profound sense of gratitude for everything that's happened in my life Mm. because without the experiences that I've had, I would not be where I am now. Yeah. And continuing to become more and more of the love that I truly am at my, in my being. And I think for the listeners, it's like, we say everybody's recovering from something. Absolutely. I mean, the whether it's, whether experience it's is challenging, tra- like you said, trauma and tragedy. And you know? it's also incredibly beautiful. amazing and, and beautiful and joyful mm-hmm. and what we do is create a container in which to hold it all, all of it. Cause it's not about only choosing the people who believe what we believe and surrounding ourselves. Yeah. We get to make really good choices, Freddie. You're making super great choices yeah. in your life. Yeah. And we also want to continue to be able to connect with anyone for yeah. you with the dude with the rainbow umbrella. To you me, yeah. went and connected you know, it might not be that you're going to join forces again in some way, but who the heck knows you were able to craft a response that was true to yourself. And there was something in it that I'm sure was an opportunity, whether that person is saying, Hey, thanks for the whatever, but there's, 
we want to show up in the world again and again from our place of love and values. And we're not always going to be surrounded by the people who who, who agree with who us, agree with us, or think the way right. we do, right? Yeah. Even in our own yeah. families, yeah. No, that's so, yeah. So the tools, so true. The tools to be able to connect first with ourselves around what's uncomfortable, because discomfort, if we could lean into it and remember, oh wait, this is just a part of life, right? We will feel uncomfortable on the regular. Mm-hmm. It's our job to transmute the discomfort and dis- and realize what it is for yeah. in yeah. our own growth and, and becoming. So I, agree. so I don't care whether you're an alcoholic of however many years or sober alcoholic, sober <laughs> alcoholic of many years, or you're, you know, living in Kentucky and just got wiped out by a flood yeah. or yeah. you've had a wildfire and lost your home or you had, you know, terrible sexual abuse as a child um, cancer, chronic illness, chronic illness, Lyme. I care. And also in some ways it actually doesn't so much matter. It only matters in stating the truth of it for yourself in order to work through the feelings to get to the actual gold. Yeah. And so I think society because of the complaining and the badge of honor and ancestry and all the things that we bring forward has really taught us that thing of like, well, let me tell you about the thing and let me tell you again Mm -hmm. about the thing and let me tell you why that thing has caused me to have all the problems and all the stuff. And now we realize actually that we have the power to transform the stuff in the moment. That is one of the most empowering things that has come to me in the last four years because whether it's in my marriage or with my children or whatever, I'm in the moment saying, oh, oh, this is an opportunity. Right. Like, wait a minute. Right here, right now. This is the work. This is the work. Yeah. And this is, this is where I can shift. This is where I can choose to respond differently. And the ice can help and the meditation helps and the journaling helps. All the things help. Community. All these different access Mm -hmm. points in, Mm -hmm. but we need each other. Mm -hmm. We cannot be vulnerable alone. That's where how we met <laughs> with conversation. Like I could be as honest as I want to be as possible for me in my journal. But if I am unwilling to share where I'm really at with the people I trust and love in my community, then I'm going to stay in that little space of and I'm pretty much stuck in that, right? I'm not going to shift that on my own. Probably not. My experience is never. <laughs> But when I share it, people are willing to receive it, are willing to ask me questions about it and how to help support me in greater growth and expansion. And it gives them permission to do the same. So we create a community that is actually inspired by the practice. Right. The practice of vulnerability, the practice of this kind of vulnerability, creating connection through trust. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting now, you know, the world we live in today, it's like we have to go out and build and seek these communities because the design of, I mean, the world's just so big. Or transform our families. (laughs) Yeah. Society has just changed so much. The community, you know, because you would have lived in a tribe, four or 500 people, a thousand people. You know, there were probably different checks and balances existing within this ecosystem that have left us because, 
you know, I'm an, I could go days in this box working from a screen and Zoom and, and interrelating digitally, which is very, very different from being, I tell you, one of the coolest things we do at my, my neighbor's house, we all go and we built a, the guy who built this property, Michael Lubitz, master builder. Deepak Chopra's first home. You know, he's just such a cool architect. He's we're converting uh, the outdoor grain silo into a one bedroom apartment right now with a spiral staircase, and it's got like this. The grain silo is like a crystal cool. roof. It's so cool. <laughs> I say all that to say, in his building, they've converted like a horse barn into a biohacking center, and we have a twelve person ceremonial grade sauna. And the conversations and the things in and out of the, to the heat, to the ice, and we just show up and sweat and we cool, sweat and chill. And the conversations that happen in the sauna, you find yourself often like riding that edge of, I'm going to pass out in the heat because the, the conversations are like so intense and heartfelt in this bubble of community. Like people are on this earth element of being like in pain and what people say, it's so dynamic and so good. You don't want to leave the heat, but you're like, I'm going to pass out. And then, <laughs> so you transition into the cold and that takes you to another level. So I watch this happen. I'm like, wow, it's almost like we're on the wash and spin cycle of healing <laughs> right here of yeah. all this stuff coming out of the body. That's and so cool. It's so cool. It's so mm. cool. I was like, man, this is this is nothing short of medicine. Lately, I've been saying, I think one of my embodied missions is to remove the marketing from the wellness. Like, where does it really meet the human tissue and the human heart? You yeah. know, and I'm I I've witnessed it enough to see, as you know, Kathy put a person that's sick with chronic Lyme disease alone in a room for four months with an amp coil. Maybe you get good results. Maybe you don't put 12 people with chronic Lyme debilitated, can't walk, can't drive themselves in a barn with 12 other people for three to four months. And you get magic at the end of the cycle because there's that element of, wow, they're in the room where it's happening. And through community, they're witnessing the subtle nuance of change in the other people. So it's like, don't be angry that your little experiment didn't work in a double-blind placebo-controlled study. For me, double-blind placebo-controlled, it's like, well, did you want to remove the humanity from the healing element? Or or do you want people to get better? Do you want to realize someday that treatment room and the segmented nature of medicine is not working? Or do you want people to get better? Like, look, it's the system you built. It seems to not be functioning very well. So let's look at a different model. That's my TED Talk. No, (sighs) I I love it. Mm. That's what we Mm. have come to is that the exponential growth and expansion comes by sharing in community. What she said, you got to clean this up and it's a continuous process, right? We don't just like, oh, I did that work. You hear people in spiritual communities. Oh yeah, yeah. no, that's, I've already done that. It's like, oh, so how's that going for you? Because we feel like we're just in a constant state of becoming. Oh, that thing came up again, huh? Yes, guess it Mm. needs to be cleared, that level of it. And the beautiful thing about that is that in community, when you say that thing came up again, there's already a conversation that's been built around it. You can continue to grow the conversation, grow the dialogue around it. People have context. They understand what it means. It's not like you're starting again with a new therapist where you have to give them the backstory. You have a, we have a common language. We can get to the truth of it pretty quickly. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's fascinating. It's like I'm at the ceiling of a level of bursting through like another way of understanding healing, wellness, my role in the world. And I'm not, it's like, it's, I'm, it's funny. I'm at an uncomfortable little zone that hmm. I've been saying. I was like, man, I just feel, it's not that I'm bored with it all. I was like, okay, besides pulse magnetics and light and oxygenating the tissue and donating electrons, you're not going to come up with some dramatic wild, like device to like retrofit your genes and, and heal the body. I don't think because we're all that we're trying to always remove this emotional component. It's like, yeah, we can add energy into the system, but you have this supercomputer, this human, this human super interface taking in information, all these data points every minute upon every second. And then 90% of it is running on a program. So you're telling me the device is going to heal. I'm like, no, of course it doesn't give you the same response across all platforms. I would hope it wouldn't. You're mm -hmm. a unique component of emotional programming that's running mm -hmm. under your level of awareness. So unless you're going to get in and do the deep awareness work, how long do you want to tread water for? Right, yeah. When yeah, are you yeah. ready to heal? And, and when, when would now be the right yeah, time? when would now be, as our friend Aaron <laughs> says. And I think that there is something you, we have to include in the conversation, some form of silence, mm. some form of meditation in which we are experiencing the part of ourselves that is aware of our own awareness, that totally. is able to notice and be the witness mm -hmm. of the consciousness we have to be doing something like that because otherwise this mechanism is going to continue to override because people are so caught up in, and we all have been there at some point in our lives, if not still there, that what I see in the mirror and what I hear myself saying and how I'm feeling is all that I am when that is not at all. You all did your, who I am. Yeah. You did your death yeah. episode yeah. and you touched on that. Yeah. Right. The part it's like the consciousness part, the part that's aware I'm in a book club with my dad and we're reading Pema Chojin's new yeah. book, you know, which is how we live is how we die. Mm -hmm. And she talks about the bardo and there's that part of us. What's the part of us that's that aware. doesn't die with the body, <laughs> you know? So meditation, these practices give us a space and a container to grow into that experience mm -hmm. so that it then sort of just spills over into our life. So then we can be more present to the moments in the sauna or the yeah. cold plunge yeah. or the medicine and community that we're experiencing, or whether the, it's plant medicine or just the medicine of vulnerability mm -hmm. that we can then be, aha, here we are and we are present to it. And then the question, what's this for? And can I love even this? Right. Because then there's no, not an ego attachment. Yeah. It's, it's wild to think about my thought process wants to go in a million different directions right here. But, you know, we do, I do, I get very caught up in, you know, wanting to know the whys and the understanding and what's, what are we here for? And what's my purpose? And, and that can spin me off. Historically, there'd been times in my life where I was like very much an existential crisis. I actually had one of my existential crises living at your house. I was not sleeping for three months. And I was just like, I was terrified of existing and not existing. You know, when I was doing music theater, I remember one time when the curtain would come down at the end and you'd be writing to bow and the lights were out and it'd be blackness before I, I would be streaming tears to walk out and bow. Cause I was like in darkness and I was like, 
it was like, and it's 10 seconds, <laughs> but the 10 seconds of darkness, I was like the, I, the hearing people cheer and noise around me in darkness and knowing like that at some time I'm not going to be in this body form. I was like in the deepest, darkest sadness that I can still imagine. I can still feel it there. I'm like, oh, you've put a cap on that. You're not, you're periodically ready to look at that. But at the end of the day, we're going to roll through the hundred years or we're, you know, you're not stopping that yet. We're not stop. You know, what I want to say is there is some point when you need to just say, I think there's value to say I'm on the ride, right? Mm. I have very little control with how it's going or where it's going. The only thing I really have is I can choose to widen the gap between stimulus and response. I can color my response to some degree, the things that are coming at me, whether that we want to say the rolling waves of life. Other than that, it's almost like I look at the ego as winding down my clock of life and it's like robbing me of time mm. because within wanting to understand the present of presence, I'm wasting my life. You know, one of our yoga teachers used to say to us, life is a gift. It's not a problem. So take your body out for a test drive and enjoy the ride. Yeah. Enjoy the ride. Mm -hmm. Enjoy the ride. And the veil is say, you know, it, we talk from this place of, I'm sure people will hear this podcast and, and I've had people say, wow, you've really done, you're doing the work. You sound like you've done a lot of work. I'm like, I don't, I feel awful at times and totally out of control and, and be like, oh man, I'm like, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm 45. I have no family. I have, I'm not married. I don't have kids. I'm like, there's an element of that where I'm like, I, there was times where I'm like, I feel like a deep failure, you know, mm -hmm. and I'll, I'll sit with that in the morning or you sit, you know, you, you go out to dinner and you're like, oh, I'm, I don't have a family to go out with. Well, I mean, you know, not a, a nuclear family, not an immediate family. I'm alone. You like my story comes up as look how you you fucked up life. How did you get here? So I have moments of being deeply out of control. And that's my work to not let that idea or that thought process loop into, you know, running you, right? Running me or, or, or whatever the dark thoughts on the other side of that wall. My point is the veil is fucking thin. It's thin for me. Like it's thin for me to be like, oh, I there's a, there's a lot of good. It can get real dark real quick. Mm. And how often do we choose to see those things happening as evidence to support the belief system that we are trying to justify? Which again, I just would come back around to embodied practice. Right. Because it's through the embodied practice yeah. that we are able to sit in the darkness, the discomfort to sit in that and the uncertainty, terrible place yeah. Yeah. and allow ourselves to breathe and remember that we're not the feeling it's moving through us. Yeah. The veil is absolutely thin. So ultimately the choice becomes, well, how do you want to live today? Because you have no guarantee you're going to wake up tomorrow. Right. Well, what do you want to do about it? And like, you know, it's what is it that I want? How bad do I want? How it? bad do I want it? And what am I? What am I do? willing to do about it? Yeah. What is it that I want? I think that's a question that you know, for whatever reason, in my my life, it's rare that I ask myself that question. I was like, "What do you want?" Ladies and gentlemen, this conversation went almost two hours, so we are going to break this one up into two parts. Please tune in next Monday for the continuation of this high-level 
heart-centered, heart-opening conversation. We'll see you next week. When audience members ask me what technology they can use to support natural detoxification, I recommend the Ion Cleanse Footbath by AMD. This is a system that uses both positive and negatively charged ions to help eliminate harmful toxins from the body. You can think about those ions as little magnets attaching to undesirable elements in the body, forming a bond, and then dragging them out with the process of elimination. In my N equals 1 experience, after about four months, I watched levels of environmental toxicity fall by more than 30%, quantified through hair testing and mineral analysis. What the Ion Cleanse AMD team has done is offered a free 15-minute consult where you can explore your personal needs to see if the technology might be a solution for you and your family. So you can schedule your free 15-minute phone consult by selecting the link in the show notes or visiting beautifullybroken.world. I love the Ion Cleanse by AMD because it has zero risk for the customer. They offer a 60-day, 100% money-back guarantee. You try it, feel it, you love it, you keep it. It's pretty simple. If you're ready to purchase, visit www.amajordifference.com and mention the Beautifully Broken podcast. Thanks. Ladies and gentlemen, you and I are moving on a four-year relationship. That's got to be some kind of a record. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the show. Go to Apple or Spotify and please give us a review. I know how busy you are. You got a list of things to do that's a mile long. Makes more people across the world. One more ask before you go. way that you and I can continue learning. Way that you and I can continue to deepen the relationship that started in this episode, you could visit beautifullybroken.world and you can check out our brand new website and store. Listed are all the wellness tools, the supplements, the articles backed by scientific protocols to move forward in a wellness. The products that I am using and I personally use to them offer a significant discount by clicking the link or using the code. And the beautiful cost you anything extra and at the same time they do support have another new feature alert i don't want to overwhelm you but if you want to see the beautiful faces of our guests if you want to watch me unbox and review products head over to our brand new youtube channel last message is from my vast team of internet lawyers information on this podcast is for educational purposes only listening you agree to use the information found here as medical advice to treat any medical condition in yourself or others. Always consult your own physician for any medical issue you might be having. The world is shifting. We need you at your very best. Take the steps today to always be upgrading. Remember, while life is pain, putting the fractured pieces back together is a beautiful process. I love you. I'm your host, Freddie Kimmel.